0: Good morning. Well, it's weird being in here. It's weird and it's good at the same time. To welcome to Pillar Church of Oceanside indoors. As Mike mentioned, we've had quite a journey over the last 15 months, um, but it really does feel like home to those of us that were able to be here for the last several years. And it's comfortable, right? Just like any home should be. Feels good. Feels like yes. Familiar. And that's both encouraging to me and, if I'm honest, a little concerning that we would be comfortable at church. Contrary to popular belief, comfort is not something that is guaranteed or encouraged oftentimes in doing things for the Lord. How many can I can do an amen to that? Um, I heard it said once, if you're doing... Um, oh, it's kind of like riding a horse, right? How's it go? If it's comfortable, you're probably doing it wrong. That's something like that. Yeah, just take my word for it. It's something like that. If it's comfortable, you're probably doing something wrong. So I said it was concerning to me. I should say it was concerning. Uh, I'll go in the past tense with that because the Lord is on the move. The Lord is up to something here church, and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the message today. I'm, I'm encouraged. I hope that you see and experience what the Lord is doing as well. Um, the last 15 months for a lot of us have been some of the most challenging, but also I feel like some of the most rewarding 15 months. Um, I've seen tremendous growth and change in my own life and in the lives of many of you, even though we were forced in a lot of ways to do things differently. God's sovereign hand was always in control, always Orchestrating what was happening, and I believe that He's called us through all that to such a time as this, right now, this morning, and where we're going next. And so, um, I've never felt more confident that the Lord is directing our path as a church, where He would want us to go. Like I'm, I'm convinced that the Lord has spoken, and so this morning we're going to take a break from John. We've been going through John, we're going we're gonna to pause John for a moment, and we're going to share a, a special message. And it's special for a variety of reasons. Obviously today is Father's Day, right? So just a shout out to all the, the dads in the room, uh, happy Father's Day to you. Yes, amen, amen. And much like our emphasis on Mother's Day, if you're here with us on Mother's Day, we want to point out that having a, ch- having a child, having children is a blessing from the Lord, right? But it's not the only way that you should consider yourself a parent, right? A lot of people that I know and some in this room have been a spiritual parent, a spiritual father figure to people that they have never had any sort of biological relationship with, right? How many can attest to that? How many have had that experience? A lot of us can point to say, yeah, that's my spiritual dad or my spiritual mom. These things are important, now, we all know that dads are an integral part of God's plan for the family, and we, we understand that. Spiritual leadership, the weight of that, is not something that we should take for, for granted or, 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 or look at as something to be taken lightly. So we commend all of those here today that, um, that are leading the people that God has put around you, whether it's your own children or just men and women that you're happening to love on, mentor, lead, and encourage um, we love you dads Yeah, definitely do appreciate you and what you do So thank you for joining us this morning But it's also special Because like I said, the Lord is on the move um, he's, he's definitely up to something And so uh, I want to just take a few moments this morning To share with you what he's been doing in my heart And what well, the, the leadership team here, the elders here At Pillar Church Devotion Side um, are, are confident that the Lord is doing So are you ready for that? Okay, good. So let me just pause and pray and ask for the Lord's help in this, and then we'll get started. Okay, so pray with me. Father, we come to you right now. In the name that is above all names, Lord, and I'm so encouraged by the voices that were raised this morning and the reminders of your goodness and your love, your mercy, that is new every morning. Father, you are good. And Lord, we know that you order our steps We know, God, that you work all things together for good for those who are called according to your purpose, to those who love you. And so your church this morning is calling on your name to say, Father, lead us forward. Show us what is next. We're back inside, Lord, by your grace. And it's good. It's comfortable. But Lord, you've got something more than what we were doing 15 months ago. You've got a plan. So I pray that you'd speak and communicate that plan this morning through me. And you would help us as leaders to keep us moving in that direction. To continue to cast the vision that you've placed in our hearts. So thank you, Lord for your wisdom, for your guidance, for your strength and courage to take the steps that are necessary to move forward. Lord, we love you, and we ask these things in your name, Christ. Amen. All right, and so while we're not walking through um, John, a specific text of the Bible, we still want to offer the opportunity for you to, to text in questions. So there's a number on the screen right there. You can text any questions that you have over the course of the sermon this morning, and then uh, Mike and I will come up here afterwards and and answer some of those questions. So we're going to be interactive just because we're inside. I'm I'm not changing that aspect of it. I still want us to be super interactive because it it just helps me to know that we're all on the same page and that we we know we're following, we're tracking. Okay, so you ready to be interactive? Okay, according to Jesus, according to Jesus, what is, sounds like Jeopardy a little bit, sorry. (laughs) What is the... The most important commandment, the greatest commandment. Okay, I, I think I got it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Okay, um, and what does the second, and the second is like it? Great. Bonus question. Where does that come from? Well, where does Jesus, yes, the Bible, thank you, Audrey. Where is, where is Jesus asked that question and answer it, Audrey? In the New Testament? (laughs) It's in Matthew. Matthew 22, if you want to turn there, you can, but it's also going to be on the screen. Matthew 22, let's read. So he's being questioned, he's asked by some of the people in the area, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. and first commandment. A second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So, you guys were right. you you got us there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Got it. Okay. Second bonus question. Is this the only place in the New Testament where this question is asked and Jesus answers it? Probably not. (laughs) Does anybody know where the other occasion takes place? Mark chapter 12, good job. Okay, Mark chapter 12, let's look at that. So now the scribes are coming up and they're asking us some questions, the religious leaders. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So pretty pretty similar, right? But notice some words precede what we captured out of Matthew 22, right? When Jesus answered that, he said, look at, go back to verse 29, Lee, if you know how to do that. Nice. Jesus answered them. What's the most important? The most important is this: "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." Then he goes on to say something, but that that stands out to me. That's a little bit interesting. Does anybody know where those words come from? Who said that? Okay. Deuteronomy. That is correct. Deuteronomy. What? Oh man, we're on fire. (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter six. I am I'm I'm blown away, excited about that. What are these words known as in Hebrew? What is it? The Shema. Wow. You want to come up here and, and finish out? I mean. Now, to be fair, you have heard us hopefully talk about this over the last couple of weeks and months, or at least mention that idea, right? But as I mentioned before, the Lord is up to something, he really is, and and here's how I know that the Lord is up to something. So at our last elders meeting, um, Mike and I were together. Mark is, uh, as you know, he's getting ready to deploy, so he's he's on pre-deployment leave right now. That's why they're not here. So we discovered something very interesting, Mike and I. Um, you can go to the next vision page, not not the. There's a stair there. Yeah, that's good. So I I started sharing with Mike. I was like, look, I think the Lord is is talking to me, not like literally when I'm having a conversation, but I feel like we're being led in a certain direction. And so I shared with him my heart in terms of the lifestyle change that I felt like the Lord was wanting us to experience. And I told him how it sort of hinged on Deuteronomy 6, the Shema. Now, I don't spend a lot of time in Deuteronomy chapter 6, so it wasn't like I was just, you know, pouring over the scriptures there. The Lord, through other avenues, brought this and the lifestyle piece of this is critical. It's, it's not just sort of a casual understanding, an occasional exposure to the things of God. Or, you know, on Sunday it's good and then we go about our lives during the week. This is a, a shift in everything that we're doing. And so I went on to discuss with him. I told him, look, Mike, this is what I think God is calling us to. It may, it may sound weird. It may sound a little bit odd. But he sat there and listened to me talk for I don't know ten minutes or so. He was just kind of nodding, and, and then I finished, and he picked up some, his Bible, and he grabs this little piece of paper out, and on the sheet of paper he shows me. This is this is the sheet of paper that he gave me. Showed me. What is that? It's, it is good looking handwriting, but it, it's Deuteronomy six. It's the Shema. Now listen, church, I had not whispered a single word to him about any of this. Not a word. And so separately, the Lord is bringing this message to the elders who at this time are leading the church. I don't know if you've ever been a part of receiving direction from the Lord in this way, but it is is amazing to see God's hand. When he pulled that out, I was like, you're joking, right? I mean, that's... God, that's why I can say, church, I'm confident that where we're going is from the Lord. It's just the way that it is. So, man, it's amazing. Having said that, then I'm confident that we're ready to move in the next direction, where where it is that he's calling us to, um, because he is directing our paths. And so probably at this point you're asking yourself, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean for the church? What does that mean for me, for my family? And that's a good question. I'm glad that you asked. So we need to go back to the Shema. We need to go back to some basic principles out of Deuteronomy 6. So I'm going to read the passage, the whole passage. If you want to turn to Deuteronomy 6, you can. It's going to be on the screen. These are verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. Okay, so just a little bit of background here. So according to the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, Shema comes from the first Hebrew word of the verse. So the first Hebrew word is, it's S-H, M-A, Shema. It means to hear. This kind of hear, not like I'm here. Verses 4 through 9 then make up the whole of this foundational biblical truth. While several translations of verse 4 are grammatically correct, the Lord's words in Mark 12, 29, that we just read, correspond most closely to the one given above. Religious Jews recite the Shema three times daily as a part of their devotional life, and no Sabbath worship is conducted in the synagogue without its proclamation. So, Hopefully you can see how very much integrated into the lives of the Jews this is, or was, back in the day, and and still is for those that are devout Jews. Everything, everything that they did was influenced by this mindset of hearing, but it's more than hearing. There's another piece of it. Does does anybody know the rest of it? To hear and what? Obey. Obey. Hear and obey. That's the principle that we're talking about Here, So, yes, love God, love others, and he goes on to say in those verses, everything that I've taught you, basically my law, the truth about who I am, what do you do with these things? Well, place these things on your heart. What else does he say to do with them? Teach them to who? When do you talk about these things? All the time, when you're going out, when you're lying down, when you get up, when you're in your house, when you're outside. Where do you write them? On your doorposts, on on the doors themselves. It talks about on on your hands. Your your hands are the instrument of action as frontlets to your eyes. Your eyes are the instrument of of vision, of seeing where you're going, direction. These are, are important things that the Lord is telling us to do. So within the Shema, we find this fundamental sort of doctrinal truth. And it results in obligation. Hear and obey. It's it's two sides of the same coin. There should be an urgency with this sort of teaching. The word Shema demands that the hearer respond to the word with their total being. Everything that they are that's the kind of response that we're talking about here. So hopefully you're picking up on some things. You're connecting some dots in your mind. You're like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, I remember over the last couple of months, the sermons being ended with some sort of call to action, right? Okay, we heard the word of God. It was, you know, it was an okay sermon. But the word of God was, was transformative and powerful. Now what? Can you think back to sermons over the last couple of months to say, what are you going to do now? You heard the word. Now do something. That was a precursor to what the Lord is leading us to now. So hopefully we have that in our eyes and in our minds. We've got to be doers of the word. Who tells us to be doers and not hearers only? James. If you go to James, you can see clearly you got to be doers and not hearers only. Don't look in the mirror and then walk away and forget what you look like. We've got to go to work. This Shema lifestyle, my friends, demands action. But I think if we're honest... Doesn't doesn't the Christian lifestyle, the Christian walk, demand the same kind of action? Right? It's not just about Jews several thousand years ago that this applies to. The Christian lifestyle right now, here, 2021, demands action. All right. Back to interaction Q&A. What is the most important, I should say, one of the most important aspects of our Christian journey According to Jesus, and I'll give you a hint. Don't put it up yet, Lee. It's found in John 14, 15. Anybody know John 14, 15 off the top of your head? Keep his, keep his commandments? Okay, Lee, all right, I'm tracking with you. Let's put it up on the screen. Let's just see. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Nice job. And not that he has the computer in front of him. It's not that, you know, it's not what it is. He had it. I saw him. I saw him. So summarize this for me in one word. Obey. Obey. Obedience. How do we demonstrate our love for Jesus? By doing what he told us to do. Actions. If you love me, if you love me, then you will keep my commandments. Perfectly? No. But is our desire to walk in obedience? Yes. Yes. By simply being followers of Jesus, we must be doers. We've got to be. And listen, my friends, this is a learned behavior. It's not just like you're going to flip a switch and all of a sudden you've got it wired. It's a learned behavior. It's a lifelong journey. But what we're talking about here is a shift in everything for a lot of us, for most of us. Letting the gospel, letting the word of God invade and influence every area of your life. If you think right now, I'm certain there's something you could bring to mind that you have kept at a distance from God. I'm, I'm confident of it. And I'm not going to do the interactive portion right now. Well, tell me what that is. You know, that's between you and the Lord. Okay? But I guarantee you there's something, and I would also encourage you to realize that that thing is an obstacle for you to begin to pursue God in the ways that He would desire you to do so. Okay, so we get it. The Shema is to hear and to obey. Obey. Jesus tells us to love God with all of our hearts, soul, mind, strength, to love others as ourselves. So hopefully now you're asking yourself, okay, I get it. How do we love God? How do we love others? What does that look like, practically speaking? Well, according to John 14, 15, we love God through our obedience. And we love others Through meeting needs, through service, by loving others as ourselves. How would you like to have every need met by the community of people around you? People are just falling over themselves to help you, to lend you things, to pray for you, to lift you up. Wouldn't that be just fantastic? That'd be amazing. But you would be loving others as you love yourself. And I think most Christians would understand both of those principles in their their fundamental existence, right? How many can wholeheartedly agree that doing what God tells us is a good thing? Yes? Doing what God tells you to do is a good thing and we should do it. How about meeting the needs of others, the marginalized, the people who are on the outskirts? Meeting those needs is a hallmark of the Christian lifestyle. How many would agree with that? Like, yeah, okay, that's that's it. That's what we're called to do in large part. The question then that we need to ask ourselves, a lot of questions today, how then do we do this more effectively, more efficiently, honoring the Lord more openly in this? How do we make this our lifestyle? So I'm going to offer you three ways in which we can begin to take steps, and that's the key here, church listen to me, begin to take steps in that direction. Because if you just take this wall and go like, I got to change tomorrow, you're going to be overwhelmed and you're going to be maybe you know, shut down. Like, I can't do that. Begin to take steps in that direction. Number one, understand your role. Understand your role. Now what I'm going to say here shortly, it may, it's not, I don't think it's going to offend anybody, but it may surprise you and shock you So, I'll just go for it. We have made the role, we being the church in general, we have made the role of pastor something it was never intended to be. Who was given the keys to the kingdom? The church. You. The church was given the key, not the pastors, not the, the leaders, the elders, the church, us. We were given collectively the keys to the kingdom now here's the thing you minister to people you do you feed the hungry you go to the hospital and visit people who are sick you pray for your neighbors you are the ones that are to do that our job is to what equip you <laughs> For the work of the ministry, my friends, you have been called to full-time ministry. Not vocational ministry, not getting paid, full-time ministry. Are those things partly our job? Yes. But see, we have robbed you of your God-given role of ministry in your community, in your circles. Because so many times I think, oh, that's... That's the pastor's job. Oh, so so and so sick. Let me call up the pastor to so see if they can go to the hospital. No! You go to the hospital. You're the one that's supposed to do it. Not me. I'll go with you if you want me to. Show you how to do it. But that's your job. You're the ministers. We have a role. I get it. <laughs> but, my friends, you are ambassadors. Are you not? Ministers of reconciliation. You are the ones that are called to do this. Because... In my opinion, never before has the world needed an army of disciple-making disciplers who are willing to go and leverage all that they have for the kingdom of God. Look around at what's happening in the world. So, again, our job is to equip you, and, and we plan to be more intentional on some of those things as we move forward. So what is the work of the ministry? Well, it's it's everything that I just listed off, and then some. (laughs) But how many of you, if you're honest, in your minds, have thought all of those things sort of fall on the vocational guy, the people up front? Anybody think like, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's their job. They do that. I think, by and large, church in America would say, yes, absolutely. And in fact, some people in other places, they might get offended. They might say, no, 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 that's what I pay you for. So if you have sort of that mindset at all, I would encourage you to go to the Word of God and go to prayer and see if what I'm telling you is counter to what the Bible teaches. Because what did the early church do in Acts chapter 2? What do they devote themselves to? Just doing life together, right? Being together, praying together, studying the Word, reading the Word, all these kinds of things. You are the spiritual influencers in your home, in your workplaces, in your community, in your schools, your young folks. You are the spiritual influence. A disciple-making disciple who's living a lifestyle that is attractive. An attractive lifestyle. Not because you have it all together. Right? Anybody here got it all together? I want to see that hand real high. Who's got it all together? All right. That's not what is attractive, I think, if you're really trying to you know, win people over to opening them up to having conversations with you. It's that you have something that they're looking for. It's hope. You have hope. You have existence beyond just this life. You have peace and joy. You have a sense of belonging. You have things that people desire because that's how the Lord created all of us to be. We're all image bearers. And you, living that out openly in front of the people, is attractive. It really, really is. And the church, for lack of better words, has robbed you of that incredible privilege. That God-appointed role as ministers. Being doers of the word, and not hearers only. And showing you that the quote-unquote real work of ministry is for the guys up front it is not it cannot be right it's a smaller church and there's only two of us right now but we don't have the time to do all the things that need to be done right I got a job out in the real world so that I could be around other people so I could do what I'm asking you to do all right I can sit in my house all day long and spend 40 hours preparing a sermon right for what? I'm wasting opportunities, wasting time sitting there doing that stuff. Not that the the word of God isn't important. I'm still going to devote time, we both are, to giving you a sermon each week because that's important. We ought to be doing that. But if all the rest of my time is tied up in doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this, while you guys are just kind of going through the motions, then we have failed. We have failed to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Can you put up 1 Peter real quick, 2-9? I I promise I'm not going to go a whole lot longer. This is you. But you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's describing us. That's the church. That's all of us. A royal priesthood? Ministers, ready to go to work. So know your role. Be doers of God's word. You meet needs. You you pray for people in your community. You live out Deuteronomy 6 every day. And you become the spiritual catalyst in your spheres of influence. All right, so now, having said that, some of you may be questioning your ability to do some of these things. And you should Question your ability to do these things. Because apart from the work of God and prayer in your life, you cannot do these things. You will fall short. Which is the next point in shifting towards this Shema lifestyle is prayer. Now, prayer is the centerpiece of everything. And I'm not going to go into a long sermon about prayer. We can talk one-on-one if you're not fully, uh, feel like you're equipped to pray. But I'm going to offer you again the words of Oswald Chambers. I think last time I said it was Spurgeon. It was not. I looked it up. It's Oswald Chambers. He says, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. I was having a conversation with somebody today. They're like, hey, or yesterday, let me know if there's anything I can do for the church. I was like, you can pray. Pray for the church, pray for the leadership, pray for the families, do all that stuff. And he came back and he said, oh yeah, that's a given, i do that. Let me know if there's any real work that needs to be done. (laughs) Needless to say, I gave him a preview of the sermon yesterday. Well, well well-intentioned, I get that. But we have to shift our mindset. Prayer is the work. Without prayer, we are lost. We are done. So along with the Word of God... Prayer, it facilitates the Shema lifestyle that we're after after. It is the work of every believer, my friends. And and I think it's something that we're truly lacking. So I'll commit. Would you commit to being a praying member of God's kingdom? Daily prayer. Daily. If we're not praying, if we're not praying, We will not see God move the way that he wants to move. Now I said that to an older, wiser gentleman. I said, do you agree with that? He said, yes, but I would add something. He said, if you don't pray, you won't see God move. Or, he will move in spite of you, but you will be less inclined to give him the credit. You'll dismiss it as a coincidence. Or some other thing, and thereby robbing God of his glory. So either you won't see him move, or you'll give somebody else the credit, which you might argue is worse than not seeing him move in the first place. Do you see how critical and foundational prayer is? Okay. So how many of you right now acknowledge the significance of prayer? Let me just see your hands. Uh, this thing, prayer is important, it is vital. How many of you, then, would acknowledge a deficiency in your prayer life? I will. Absolutely. All right. You ready? How many of you, then, are willing, you're willing to commit right now to grow in this area, starting right now? How many of you are willing to commit to grow in your prayer life? Okay, I saw probably 95% of the hands go up. Um, That's awesome. You're committing right now to grow in your prayer life, right? Good. Uh, Let's go ahead and stand up. And when I give you the thumbs up, not yet, but when I give you the thumbs up, you're going to form groups of two or three. And you're going to pray for each other. And you're going to pray that we would be committed to be people of prayer, and you pray for our church that we be a, a church committed to prayer and that our desire is to see growth in a Shema lifestyle. Now, these are not long, drawn-out prayers. I'm just, it's going to be like two, three minutes, max, all right? You ready? There's your thumbs up. All right, gather together, pray. We need you every day. God, help us to see our community. God, I pray for Jerry. I pray for this. I pray for Audrey. I pray for Alex. I pray for myself. That we would be people who rely on you, who trust in you, who need you. Help us to pray. Help us to be a church that prays. Pray, pray Yes. Yeah. Heavenly Father, uh, always remind us uh, to pray for this commitment left a trace the church. To, my son lived today. Myself, Audrey, Alex, my family, my mom got so, sick. I always remember from this day forward that in anything you can praise, you can pray for happiness or sadness. It's to be always sad. Mm-hmm. Just to be reminded that that's how we communicate with each other is through prayer. Lucy, do you think prayer is important? Yeah. Do you pray at home sometimes? I don't to pray that anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe you said? That's an honestly, honest answer. I appreciate honesty. Yeah, that's no, good. Thanks, guys. Got about a minute, one more minute. you're down, Go ahead and sit back down. Appreciate you guys. So I told you I was going to offer you three steps. We got know your role. We got prayer. And you just participated in the third step, which is do it. Do it. It's action, right? Just a moment ago, you walked in obedience. And you did, not to me, but to the Lord. When Jesus talked about prayer, he said, when you pray. Not if you pray, when you pray. I mentioned it earlier, but when, when the church began meeting 2,000 years ago, they were in people's homes, and this thing was just getting off the ground, they were devoted. And you know how they prayed? Together. Just like you just did corporately. There's something about uniting with each other in prayer. It's powerful. And we just did that together. I'm I'm, I'm super encouraged. And and I'm grateful for your willingness to to follow the leadership of of us as we follow the leadership of the Lord. But here's the thing. For some that might have felt a little bit unfamiliar or, or even uncomfortable, Let me give you another Oswald Chambers quote, which I really like. He says, don't ever say that you will pray. Pray. How many times have you said, oh, I'll pray for you. I got you. I'll pray for you. And you never do. I'm guilty more often times than I can think. Just, just pray. Right then. We've talked about that before. What do we call that? Our, our prayer reflex. What is your prayer reflex to a situation? It, again, it's a learned thing. We've got to commit to wanting to pray. And how do you get better at doing something? You do it. So don't ever say you can pray. Just, just, just pray. Just do it. Or if you're one of those super-duper disciplined persons that will actually pray every time you say you will pray, then you know, I'm not going to you know, be dogmatic or just crazy about it. If you pray, pray. That's great. But the, the principle, the point is just do it. Why, why not just do it right then? Okay, so hopefully it's clear that this is going to be a lifestyle change for all of us, not just some of us. There's going to be likely adjustments that all of us need to make in this in this direction. And again, I want to emphasize, it's not an overnight change. It's not a flip of the switch. But we do need to begin to take steps in that direction. And I think we all took one just now in, in just kind of stepping out and praying and trusting But you also need to know what those areas are that you need to see change. Do some self-evaluation. Do some prayerful examination of your heart, of your mind, of your lifestyle choices right now. How are you using what God has given you? Now, hopefully it does sound like I'm trying to cast vision. Some people are like, oh, where are you going with this? Like, I kind of get it. I pray that it does because here's why. What, what we do from here, church, will directly impact our ability to carry out the Great Commission. All of this is going somewhere, my friends. It's not just that I, we want us to be you know, more engaged as believers. That's true. But it's, it's leading somewhere to be more effective in the Great Commission. Because living that shema lifestyle that we talked about, loving God, loving others, hearing and obeying, that's what's going to position us to have conversations with other people, to open up the door and be used by God in ways that you never imagined. I, this is a tried and true principle. Test me or test whatever that you want to. Start doing this and see what God does. I'm telling you. <laughs> Let me begin to wrap things up. We're all going to be known as something in our communities. All of us. You, you are right now. So let me ask you, how do you become known as the sprinkler guy in your community? You either, you're always out there with the sprinklers, or you're like, hey, can I check out your sprinkler system? Right. How do you become known as the plant lady? You've got plants everywhere. You become known as something by doing that thing in your community. Right? What do you want to be known as? in your community you want to be known as the prayer guy the food collector lady that peace person that for some reason every time I'm around that person I just feel at calm I just feel there's just something different about what do you want to be known as in your community because you will be known as something i think that living this kind of lifestyle Will almost immediately identify you as different. Right? Someone who stands out. Your love of God through your obedience and your love for others through meeting physical needs and pointing them to Jesus are so countercultural that you can't help but stand out. You're gonna make a name for yourself. But here's another challenge to you don't let it be your name. Let it be his name that's known. What do we we exist for? To know Jesus and what? Make him known. Make him known. known. Tell them why you're doing what you're doing. That's the other part of this whole thing. It's pointing people to Jesus as the why. It's a Shema act. It's meeting a need. Praying for somebody. Making a donation. It's, It's some Shema loving act Followed by a Shema statement, this is why I'm doing this. Right, Whatever that happens to be, whatever the motivation is, that outpouring of love that Jesus has for me, I want to give it to you. The reason you're doing what you just did. I, again, I think you'll be surprised by the conversations that this kind of behavior will bring about. One of the fastest ways into a spiritual conversation is to meet a need. And tell people why you're meeting that need. Praying for strangers on the street may sound very scary and foreign and something you would never do. But the moment you begin to do stuff like that, you're, you're in a conversation. Do you guys spend months and, and weeks and years building relationships with people and slowly, you know, introducing Jesus to them? Yes, we do that. Relational evangelism. But you want to jump right in, right here, right now, ask somebody on the street if you can pray for them. Can I pray for you? Most people will say yes, even if they're just being nice. But you're there already. You don't need to, like, let me back up, you know, seven months and give you my life story. I'm just going to pray for you right now. And let me tell you why I think what I just prayed and who I prayed to is valuable and significant and matters. So Be ready. Be ready. Be praying, and be obedient. So we're we're being commissioned today, all of us, myself, Mike included, to live a Shema lifestyle. Our hope is that you will do something this week, this week, that falls into that category of, of this kind of living. Meet a need. Love others in some practical way. And then when you do I'm going to ask you to something. write down what you did, write down how God moved in you and in that person, and then be ready to share what God did next week. Right? We're going to make some time in the service for people to give a testimony of what God did through our obedience, because that's important. Celebrating what God is doing as we're making this transition is important. So that's where we are. And do you know something? I think to the average Christian, this sounds radical. Right? Church, middle of America, the Bible Belt. It sounds radical that you would do something like this. But we're pretty convinced that this is just Christianity. This is what Jesus had in mind for us and for the church. It's not radical. It's what we're supposed to do anyway. Is it going to take time to move in this direction? Absolutely. It's a lifelong journey. Lifelong. So what we're asking today is simply begin to take steps in that direction. And as a church, let's hold each other accountable. Right. One of the biggest things that is missing out of the church today is Accountability. How are you doing with such and such? Not just our own sinful ways. You know, we need that. We need need help in accountability for struggles. But we need accountability for just living the Christian lifestyle. How would it be if next week I I asked you, Hey, how did you live the Shema lifestyle this week? I didn't. Okay, well, what are you going to do next week? Don't feel added pressure or some weird thing. But just start asking questions to people. Because, I, again, I'm, I'm convinced that this is the Lord's doing. This is not my good idea. I, I probably wouldn't advocate for something like this. This is not comfortable. I don't enjoy a lot of this stuff just inherently by myself. I'm not that guy who just wants to go out and talk to everybody. But I will because I know the Lord's calling me to it. And I'll ask you to do it too because that's what we're called to. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we just ask for... A reminder this morning of what it is that you desire of your people. Lord, you tell us cl- clearly, if you love me, you, you will keep my commandments. You're talking to us, God. If we love you, we'll keep your commandments. And you said the greatest one is to love God with all that we have. And that love is expressed through obedience. That love is expressed through through loving others, meeting needs, hearing and obeying. God, thank you for leading us. Thank you for being at the helm, in control of all of this. Thank you for, for equipping us to do the work of the ministry. God, we're, we're not left just to our own devices or, or our own abilities, God, God, You gift us uniquely to do these things. You know what we need. You strengthen us. You even give us the words in those situations, in those moments. So I just pray, God, that as we sit with this, as we walk through the week with this, Holy Spirit, illuminate in our hearts and our lives who do we want to be known as? And how can we point people to you? How can we be the ambassadors? The lights shining in darkness. Collectively, Lord, help us to just rally around the truth of your word. And let us be a praying church, fully relying on you for everything. We trust you to use us in mighty ways. Let your name be known above every other name. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.